and I'm one of the pastors here. It's good to be together, whether you're here or you're worshiping with us online. Um, we are in the midst of our Psalms of Ascent series, and so we're actually, next week will be the last uh, as we look at 134, and then we're actually going to be looking at the Apostles' Creed and looking at what do we believe as a church. In the midst of a fragmented uh, world and culture, I think it's important for us to look at what we believe. I think not only is it just what we believe, but it's actually very missional because it tells the world in what we believe and what that means for us in our cultural moment. But with that, I'm going to invite you to turn to Psalm 133. Psalm 133. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles for you underneath the chair in front of you. And if you're going to use one of those, you could turn to page 519. 519 of the church Bibles. And uh, it's another three-verse psalm. And so shouldn't be that long, kids, as you guys are here engaging with the worship service and whether you're using one of the activity sheets um try to listen as we read god's word together psalm 133 and as we look at this think about um the people of god they would go up to jerusalem right a few times a year the entire nation would gather in jerusalem think about some of the feelings and emotions that some of them might have had right some of them might be excited to gather as god's people to worship Some of them might have also felt very nervous, anxious, distraught, tired. Maybe you would go there kicking and screaming, right? Some of us kids or even adults not wanting to be here but being forced to come. Um, God's people felt like that. But here as we look at this psalm, it's actually one that forms us to go, no, it is good and pleasant to gather together as the people of God. And so they would sing this together. That wherever you're feeling, whatever you're feeling, that this would form their hearts to be like, no, this is good. It is pleasant to be together as God's people to worship. So let's read this together or follow along with me as I read this. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you and we thank you for your word to us. We ask that your word would transform us, that would encourage us, maybe for some of us it would prick us, so that we might be people who would look more like you as we go into our daily lives Monday through Saturday. Lord, help us to set our eyes on you this morning and help me to also be able to preach your word faithfully. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The 19th Surgeon General for the United States between 2014 and 2017, Vice Admiral Murthy, he wrote an article in the Harvard Business Review And it was called The Work and Loneliness Epidemic. And this is just a segment of that from the Harvard Business Review. And he wrote this. He said, During my tenure as U.S. Surgeon General and my years caring for patients, the most common pathology I saw was loneliness. The elderly man who came to our hospital every few weeks seeking relief from chronic pain was also looking for human connection. He was lonely. The middle-aged woman battling advanced HIV who had no one to call to inform that she was sick, she was lonely too. 
I found that loneliness was often in the background of clinical illness, contributing to disease and making it harder for patients to cope and heal. This is the epidemic we live in. We live in the most technologically advanced age in history, and yet rates of loneliness have doubled since 1980. We have over a thousand friends on our social media pages, whether Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or whatever it is, and yet we can't find one single friend to help us move. Today, over 40% of adults in America report feeling lonely on a regular basis, and research, research actually says that it's probably a lot higher. Yet of all the age groups, Gen Z, those born from 1996 to 2012, and there's many of us here, seems to be particularly impacted. According to the recent study conducted by Cigna, Gen Z is significantly more likely than any other age group to say that they experience feelings that are associated with loneliness. 68% said they feel like no one really knows them. 68%, that's over two-thirds. And yet this is the group that is socially connected like no other age group. This level of disconnection is also dangerous for our health. Research has shown that loneliness has the same impact as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It's associated with obesity, with drinking. It's associated with greater risk of cardiovascular disease, dementia, depression, and anxiety. Loneliness reduces task performance at work, limits creativity, and impairs other functions like reasoning and decision-making. And so what does this do for the AARP? They reported that in older adults, it accounts for $6.7 billion additionally in Medicare. $6.7 billion annually because of this pandemic of loneliness. In Britain, it's been such a serious problem that more than 9 million people in their country have experienced feeling loneliness in a 2017 report. And this prompted Prime Minister Theresa May to appoint a minister for loneliness. And she goes on in her report as she launched this, she said, for far too many people, loneliness is a sad reality of modern life. I want to confront this challenge for our society and for all of us to take action to address loneliness endured by people who have no one to talk to or share their thoughts and experiences with. Now, all of this research I just gave you, or the statistics that I gave you, I actually shared the exact same ones back in 2019. When I took my sabbatical and came back and started a sermon series on following Jesus in a busy, chaotic, digital world, this is from 2019. And what I would argue this morning is that the pandemic that hit us has only exacerbated this pandemic of loneliness even more. All of us here can, can share testimonies of how the pandemic has only made it worse when we think about the loneliness that we experience. So much so even last Saturday in our leaders gathering, we talked about what? Hospitality. Because we have lost the art of what it looks like to be connected with one another. Well, here in this Psalm of 133, there's an answer to this pandemic of loneliness. And here the answer to that might not be so easy for some of us to hear, but it's the church. It's the corporate gathering as we come together as brothers and sisters in Christ 
that there is something good and pleasant to gather together when we are, do, when we are gathered in unity. Now, some of us might go, well, yeah, we know it's good, right? For children here, since it's family worship, what do your parents say? Why are you supposed to eat your vegetables? Because it's good for you, right? Why are you supposed to do your homework? Why are you supposed to exercise? Why are you supposed to do all these things? Why are you supposed to listen to your parents? Because it is good for you. But here, it's not David, the king of Israel, doesn't say it's just good for you because it is, and we're wired that way, but it's also pleasant for us. It's something that should be enjoyed. It's something that we should desire, not just because it's good for us, because it is pleasant when God's people gather on Sunday mornings to worship our Savior. That it is good and pleasant when God's people gather together and dwell in unity. And David gives us two beautiful pictures, confusing pictures, in why it is good and pleasant to dwell together. And the pictures are what? It is of oil and of dew. You're like, how does this make any sense? When Jason and I started looking at this together on Monday, we're like, oil and dew, the weirdest things. But it not only was significant for them in their moment, but it's also very significant for us. And I want to flesh that out briefly. So let's look at verse 2. Oil. Why is oil so significant and why it's good and pleasant to gather together? Well, it's, David writes, It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. Now, your pastor don't have a beard, right? So it's like, how does a beard or oil have anything to do with why it's good to gather together? Well, who was Aaron? When it's talking about Aaron and his beard and his robe, well, Aaron was the first high priest for Israel. He was the first high priest, and what was the high priest to do? Well, they were the people that represented God to his people. And not only just to the people of God, but they were the guilty people of God. And so the high priest would sacrifice animals and atone for the sins of the people. And so he would kill the lamb or the goats or the rams and atone for the sin of God's people. It was like a judge, right? Judge that would represent for, or not a judge, a lawyer that would represent the guilty party to this perfect judge. This was his role, but also his role was to intercede for God's people. And here, how would Aaron become the high priest? There would be a, this elaborate ceremony, and we see this in Exodus 29. But there in this service, Aaron would stand there, and oil would be poured over Aaron and his sons, representing what? Representing God's presence, God's spirit, God's power. And it says here that it was precious oil. So it wasn't just any cheap oil, but this was the best fragrant oils. Some of us here have used sesame oil, but the moment you use sesame oil in your kitchen, the entire house smells of sesame seeds, right? Here it's like that. When they saw Aaron being anointed with this oil, being poured upon his head, over his face, onto his beard, onto his robe. It was a visual reminder that God was present. That God came down and was amongst his people to meet with them. That's the significance of the oil. 
The oil of God is here, and not just the oil of God, God himself is present with us. I think we do such a disservice. We truncate why we gather on Sunday mornings. We know it's good for us, but a lot of times we just think it's a social thing where we meet with one another, and that is absolutely important. That's why we gather together. But I think we forget that God meets with us every single Sunday morning. The God of creation wants to meet with his creatures. And that's why there's this beautiful dialogue back and forth, the call to worship. And what do we do? We respond many times through that call to worship, but we also respond with singing. We confess our sins together. And what do we hear from God? Not from Zach, but from God who says, you are forgiven. No more guilt, no more shame. God himself dwells amongst us here in this room. There is something sacred. There is a sacred endeavor that happens here on a Sunday morning. And because we live in a cultural moment where we have completely closed off the transcendent, I think many times we come here and we just sort of say, well, this is our duty. It's good for us. We come and we go. We sing a couple songs. We pray. All right, I've done my thing. But God is here. He's present. There is something very sacred and holy that happens when we gather together. And that's why it's so good and pleasant. But not just that. That oil that anoints the, the high priest in our time on the other side of the cross, guess what that means for us? We are all anointed with the oil, the Spirit of God that says we are a royal priesthood. Have you ever thought about one another as having the oil poured over us, drenched in our beards, or at least some of us with beards, <laughs> over our clothes to be able to say, you're not just Joe Schmo, but you are a royal priesthood. You are a brother or sister in Christ. You have the dwelling of God upon you. I think that's why so many times we fail to recognize how important the corporate aspect is. Yes, we need to be able to be reminded God is here. There's something sacred about that. But also, we are a royal priesthood. Peter reminds us of that in 1 Peter. We are a holy nation, a royal priesthood that gathers together because Jesus of Jesus' work on the cross through his death and sacrifice. We actually can look at one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. We are a royal priesthood. The, the Spirit of God resides within each and every single one of us. That means the child sitting next to you that's loud and annoying. <laughs> that child has the oil poured over him or her. That single person, that parent, the divorced, that liberal or that Republican, conservative, across the aisle. Do you view one another as just in those sort of camps in our tribes? Or do we actually look at one another with the oil that is poured over us because we are now people who are brothers and sisters in Christ with the Spirit of God that is within us? I think we have to be reminded of that rather than just being in our little tribes. I think that's why the one another passages are so important for us. Why are there 94 one another passages in the New Testament? You know why? Because the church doesn't bring people that are alike. The church is supposed to be a place where we don't just have people who are similar in socioeconomic statuses, similar in race or ethnicity. Similar in our political views, similar in our age de uh, demographics, or in your lifestyles. 
Rather, the church, it comes together. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. His spirit unites us, and we actually are gathered together as people who aren't supposed to be together. But because of Jesus, we are, and we need to be reminded of all the one another passages. Like love one another, reconcile with one another, forbear, bear one another's burdens, serve one another, pray, and be hospitable to one another. There's something beautiful about this oil, not only of God's presence, that he is with us, but that we all together are united, being identified together as brothers and sisters in Christ. But there's another picture here that we need to see of why it's so good and pleasant to be together. And it's this picture of dew, right? Look at verse 3. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore. Now, what's this about dew? Well, you have to remember in Jerusalem, we always think of Jerusalem as this beautiful city. Well, it's beautiful because God resided there with his people, his nation of Israel. But in actuality, it was a very dry, barren, and dusty city. But nine, or nine, just north of Jerusalem was the highest mountain, and that was Mount Hermon. And on this mountain was where, in because of its height, you would have all this dew upon you. Have any of you guys gone hiking or camping in the mountains? If you've ever done that, when you wake up from your tent, everything is drenched outside, right? Your shoes, if you, if you forgot to take them back into the tent, the tent itself is just covered in dew. Well, this is Mount Hermon. And because of so much of that dew that resided on the trees and plants, if the wind would blow, all that water would come down and give and water the land. And so Mount Hermon was a place that was lush, cool, fertile with plants and trees and foliage. Do you see what David's saying here? It's good and pleasant because Monday through Saturday, we experience the dry, dusty, barren land. But on Sundays, when we gather as God's people, we come to an oasis, a place of refreshment, a place where we're strengthened in our hearts, where we receive the grace and mercy and we're reminded that we are forgiven. And there's so many different lies or temptations to believe the lies that we hear Monday through Saturday, right? That you're not worthy. What have you done for me lately? It's these things that say, well, what is your identity in? Are you good enough as a parent? Are you good enough as a student or as an athlete? Are you making your grades? What are the clothes you wear? What is the house you live in? What is the car you drive? What grades are you making? What schools are you going to go to, right? Every single moment, whether it's through social media, conversations at work, friends at school, we are told that we need to find our identity in these things and it's work, work, work. But Sunday we come and it's an oasis. It's a place that says you might never measure up to the world's standards. You might be a success, you might be a failure, but here it's not dependent on you. It's because of Jesus' righteousness. It's because of his perfection. It's because of, because of his works and his success. You are given that. And it's a place where we can reset with one another and with our God. 
and know that we can find our refreshment in him. So many lies that we hear. And there's so there's a thousand voices telling us you have to be skinnier. You have to be stronger. You have to be smarter. And you have to agree with everything we say or you'll be canceled. But here in this oasis, you have the voice of Jesus who gives you freedom from all the shame and the guilt and from all the hurt and the sorrows and the pain and the failures that you experience. And here you find the restoration in Jesus. For even when the worst is known, love is still offered. That's why David gives us these two beautiful pictures, though a little confusing, the oil and the dew. And what we see here in Jesus is that Jesus is our ultimate high priest, right? He became not only the one that would mediate for us and intercede on our behalf, but he became the sacrifice to die on our behalf. And so because of that, he can sympathize with all our weaknesses. And he would be tempted, but without any sin. And that is why we can come to him with confidence and we can approach the throne and come on Sunday mornings to this oasis and experience the love and grace and mercy that only comes here in this sacred endeavor with brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's why it is good and pleasant when God's people gather together in unity. That's what we get to do here at the table this morning. Jesus doesn't just invite us and meet with us, but he comes and invites us to the table to feed us. When once we were enemies, not only are we just guests at the table, but we are now his friends because he has suffered and died and rose again for us so that we don't need to drink the cup of wrath, but one of joy. And this is our oasis this morning as we come to the table to be strengthened by his grace and his love and upon himself. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you. We thank you for your son who not only would live the perfect life, but also would die the death that we deserve so that we might experience the riches of his grace and of his mercy and of his love. So, Lord, I pray as we come to the table this morning, Lord, strengthen us. May this be the respite that we need so that we might be able to go out back into our dry and barren lands to be able to be a beautiful picture of sons and daughters of the king so that others might know and, and want to be able to know who you are. Do that good work we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.